Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative. This is the show for you to make creativity the filter for your life, help you take fear out of the driver's seat, put it in the back seat, maybe the trunk, and through these things, step more fully into the essence of who you are and claim your right to have a dream and take up space. And today's a particularly exciting episode because I'm here with one of my best friends and also the composer for our show, the amazing Liz <laughs> So happy to be here. Oh Love my gosh. Daily listener. Love Blessed to have you. Blessed to have you. You know, it means so much to me when a friend of mine actually listens to it. Of course. Well, because they could talk to me whenever they want. So the fact that they want extra time to listen to me talk I'll take all means the, the most time I can get. <laughs> Oh, right back at you. Yeah. So Liz and I have a really interesting story. Liz is a singer-songwriter. She's a professional musician. You make your whole living from music, mm-hmm. which is incredible. But you and I met through a gig. Yeah. You played right after me at this place called Bar Lubitsch. Yeah. Shout out to Bar Lubitsch. Shout out to Bar Lubitsch. And then this just goes to show like how every connection is meaningful. I ended up meeting this guy in Craigslist because I wanted a new person to play guitar for me. Yeah. He randomly was playing guitar for one of your best friends, yeah. Whit Godden. Fantastic human. Fantastic human. Great so, singer-songwriter. So <laughs> and Jasper. Lost track of that little guy. He was slippery. He's a very nice guy. <laughs> I think he's in France right now. Oh, good for him. Yeah. You t- kept much better track of him than I did. I met him on Craigslist. Yeah. Not in a shady way. <laughs> yeah, no. In a, like, I need a guitarist yeah, way. Yeah. And so... You were walking by me and like we literally, I think, ran into each other. Probably. Because we, we were at a gig where Jasper was playing for Wit yeah. at House of Blues, Sunset, which no longer exists. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, I know you. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, And then we realized we met each other. At the previous, yeah. At, yeah. And then we started talking and I realized that you were super accomplished and had done a lot of things that I wanted to do. You just put out your EP. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was just in the process of starting to like think about putting one out. And you were so generous a spirit. And I asked you to go to coffee with me. And we went to the Republic of Pie. Yeah. And we had, uh, I had, I think, pie. And you only had coffee. Probably. <laughs> I was like, I, I could feed you like as broke. any Italian. I wanted, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, I wanted to treat you. Like, I wanted to me. treat you and you wouldn't let me. No. Um, just coffee and you were just so generous you were so generous of time and spirit and open and we instantly connected because we were both from the midwest yeah you're from indiana Mm -hmm. i'm from michigan and it was just like such a beautiful moment because a lot of times you'll go to coffee with someone and you'll never see him again or like someone goes begrudgingly but you just went with such an open heart and such a willingness to like go through everything you'd done and really like teach me and like because you have like a very classical music training you went to Berkeley School of Music you're very well versed in all things music theory and I'm more right out of feeling yeah and I love working with you because I think you and I complement each other mm-hmm. because you know all the rules and know how to use them to your advantage and I know some of the rules but not a lot well I think it's just I think it's complimentary I think of it as a toolbox mm-hmm. and we have complementary toolboxes like if we both had all the same tools we can do the same construction projects. But if we have totally different toolboxes, we can do like all the construction projects. So right. that's how I think about it. I think it, we complement each other. Yeah, we really do. Really well in that way. We do. And it's it's um, just been like such a blessing to have your friendship in my life. You've truly been in, in music my greatest creative oh. ally. Oh, you that's have. fantastic too. You have yeah. because you – I feel like with your – talent and your belief in me I've been able to do things that I never could have done alone 
obviously you've enhanced this podcast so much with your music. Oh, I'm just honored that I was asked. I, li- I love it. I listen to it. I, I, <laughs> I vibe. I feel the vibe of it. It motivates me. And You're part of the community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So today we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. I want to like bring the audience a little bit into what your story mm-hmm. is and your path. And then also we want to talk about like really how to be allies, mm-hmm. like creative allies. Yeah. When projects take a long time, but it doesn't feel bad yeah. the length of time, and you don't beat yourself up along yeah. the way, that's really hard. Which is new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, you beat yourself up a yeah, lot. Yeah, personal fight club. And then how to put yourself <laughs> in the right place, even just once, like, and how that can lead to big opportunities. And then most importantly, it's a podcast one-year anniversary. Woo-woo! So we're going to go through happy some topics birthday. there. Yeah, we're going to sing it. Happy okay. birthday. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, let's start out with being creative allies yeah like who have been your biggest creative allies and how has that influenced your path well I mean hands down number one answer is you and it's it's a it's a not only a motivating factor but a feeling of oh I'm not the only one who feels this way or it's like it's motivation it's I'm not alone and I'm not weird at the same time it is why not? You know, just do it. Like it is all of those things. It's like a, it's like a spectrum of, of, of motivation in so many different ways. And like some days I need that kick in the pants and some days I need this kick in the pants and your friendship and your collaboration has been like the spectrum of pants kicking. So it's been, (laughs) I love that I kick your pants. Yeah. I gotta kick the pants. And so, yeah, that's been huge. And then I recently, actually last week, wrote a list of like a couple names and I put literally put it not on my Facebook wall on my actual physical wall <laughs> in my workspace of people who like make me feel like I go for it. And yeah, there's just like a couple, it's so wonderful to meet people like that. That's a great little hint. Like we were talking about, sometimes it's hard to achieve things without putting deadlines on yourself mm-hmm. or like having a deadline from an external force. But that's kind of a good way to motivate yourself to be held accountable even when someone's not there. Yeah. It's just a reminder of like the people who I admire and the people who believe in me or the people who are doing the things that I want to do and not in a like self-loathing kind of way of like look at all. It's like inspiration. Yeah. It's an inspirational Mm -hmm. way, not a, not a negative comparison kind of way. And to see when I feel like a little discouraged or like I would rather watch more house on Netflix instead of like do the thing that I should do. I I see that list of names and I'm like, Oh man, they would like, they said that they really liked that thing that I did on my last record. Like I should like work on the the new record, you know? Right. Yeah. I think it's so important. And are the people that you have, cause I feel like I actually really sought you out. Like you were some people you fall into like a, creative allyship with is that a word I like it uh with naturally but for me I really feel like we like sought each other out and continued to work at it and it kind of happened over the course of years it felt intentional yeah. to me not in a like at all in a we're forcing it kind of no. way not at all like that but no, in, it was in, almost in like we went out on like thing. a creative date with each other yeah and then we were like there's something here for yeah. sure and we pursued it mm-hmm. yeah and it is reaped so many benefits. benefits. I mean, together, you and I, that was my first, well, I guess I got my, one of my songs into a documentary before, but like, that was my first, like, 
So let me just backtrack. <laughs> you and I wrote a song for a short film called Cats Out of the Bag yeah. that my dear friend Steffi Hill mm-hmm. wrote, produced, and starred in. And it went to all these festivals, won all these awards. We played a song live on air in Detroit mm-hmm. on oh, the yeah. Mitch Album Mitch show. Album show. That was so we fantastic. did a show together in Detroit and raised a ton of money yeah. for the charity Say Detroit. You made the music for my podcast, and the podcast has been all over like new and noteworthy and all these different lists. And we've just written some really good songs yeah, together. Really good songs together. And then you've, you know, we've, I think we've both been great about kind of connecting each other with the people that, you know, with, with things that might be missing in each of our careers. And yeah. just as a supportive thing. <laughs> oh, and uh, one thing we should note is that Liz's dog Betts is here. Hi, bud. So you may hear her throughout little, the, little the pod. Feet, little tippy taps. <laughs> <laughs> little tippy tap feet. In her breathing. <laughs> you can't be on the podcast unless you can talk. Sorry, it's discrimination. <laughs> so wait, so let's talk about your project. So right, you've been working on this bulk of music for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, how long has it been now? Oh, gosh. It's um, okay. However long it's been, it's fine. Well, it's, it's funny because there's, I've got a collection of songs that I want to put out and this time around, I decided to produce it all myself, which is something I've definitely never done before. And it's taking way, 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 way longer, but also I'm way happier with it. Mm-hmm. Um, what does I'm it feel like to be at the helm of everything? Both empowering and terrifying. It's like, oh man, everything is possible, which is really exciting. And then like, oh no, everything is possible, which is terrifying. It's like trying to order off of the cheesecake factory menu. And you're like, there's too many options. Like, why are there 12 pages? I don't know. I don't know where to go. I'm going to go home. I don't even know what like genre I want to be in. (laughs) So yeah. That's a great comparison. Yeah. Like, do I want Italian food or do I want spring rolls? I don't know. There's too many options. So it's been really rewarding, but I've been working on it. Like there's songs that I wrote three months ago that was like a new year, new idea or a song, an idea that I came up with yesterday that I was telling you about of something that I like want to write now. But then there's also a song that I started writing literally 10 years ago when I was in college that was like part of an assignment for Oh, a, the one about the flight attendant? No, I wasn't even going to put that one on the record. I love it was that Shallow one. Water. I started writing... No, I, that Shallow Water is like five or six years old. Different Languages, there's a song called Different Language is over 10 years old at this point because I started writing it for uh, – I had to take a 101 class called M-Tech at school, which was like how to use a MIDI keyboard, like really, really basic, like how to open a program, like real basic. And I started writing that song for an assignment there. And I forgot about it and then found it a couple of years ago and was like, ooh, if I do another release, I should put this – like so it's both – it both feels like it's been in the making for 12 years and also brand new and I'm not done with it yet, but it's kind of an evolving thing. Things have been like reimagined and yeah. So the thing you're, you were talking about is that like, it feels like, it, you know, there's a lot of new things. There's things that you've been working on for literally 10, 12 years. Yeah. You said you're giving yourself grace while doing this project. So you're, it's taking a while, but you're not beating yourself up for that. Yeah. How? I, I think that's been like twofold because I have no external deadlines I haven't finished it yet, which is, you know, that kind of sucks. I should have finished it years ago. But also because I have no external deadlines, I can take all the time I need and get it to be, you know, really like explore where I want to go with it. So that I've just kind of latched onto that instead Mm -hmm. of feeling guilty about it not being done, which sometimes I do feel that way. But the overwhelming majority of the time, I feel like there's so much potential here and I like it. How do you stay there? 
I don't know. That's just where I've been living on this project. I feel guilty enough about deadlines like everywhere else in my life that yeah. for some reason this has just been an area of like joy, self. Yeah, I've given. I'm giving myself room huh. for the first time. I love that. Yeah, and I did a lot of work over the last two years about getting to a place where I liked how my voice sounds, mm. and yeah, just a lot of work about like I, I noticed that most of the music I like listening to are male artists. And I was like, what's the deal with that? Like, why are they all guys? Why am I not listening? So I really tried to seek out, like, just just really going into the depths of my brains about my biases and myself, like the things that I were counting against myself before even starting the journey. And it's like, well, stop doing that and go explore things. And this is the first project that I'm just like, I don't know, it doesn't need to be anything other than what it means to me. So just do it. What did you find when you went on that journey? A lot of biases that I didn't realize were there. Like about not liking, I just didn't like hearing women's voices on things, wow. which was weird and heavy because I'm like very much a feminist. Yeah. I d and, and I didn't realize how much that seeped into my musical brain. Yeah. And how much I, I did some music in college and someone made a comment about how I sounded like this other artist and how like, Oh, you could do sound alikes for that other artist. And so I like that triggered something in my brain. I was like, well, cool. got to go as far away from that as possible. Mm -hmm. And then it started being like, well, maybe and that artist was like an amazing artist. Yeah. It's, it was feist, which I don't think I sound like I would love like, that's great. Now yeah. that I'm older, I'm like, well, that's fantastic. I should have taken that as a compliment, but I was like, great. Got to go as far away from that as possible. And then someone at a show was like, Oh, you sound like Colby Calais. And I was like, got to go as far. Away. So I, I kind of went, I just was in avoidance mode for so mm. long. And then I was like, that's stupid. I need to just take, take a minute and figure out what I love and what speaks to me and like what makes me feel the way I want to feel when I'm writing and making music. And like, I should readjust gravity to be that, like that's the gravity mm. instead of subscribing to everyone else's gravity that they're like weighing down on top of me. I'm like, all right, let's wash it all and like create our own gravity. And that's the planet we're going to live on for now. I love the idea of learning to love your own voice because obviously that's very specific to music, but I think it goes through whatever you do. So yeah. like, Learning to love your writing, learning to love your style of practicing law, mm -hmm. learning to love your parenting style. Like there's a million things we could beat ourselves up for. And of course, it's hard to hold a mirror to ourselves. But like, how can we look in a mirror with our artistry and ourselves mm -hmm. and say, hey, that person looking back at me is unique. They're layered. There's going to be doing flaws. The best they they're can. doing the best yeah. they can. And they're putting it all out there and, and they're passionate. And so I can love that. Yeah. And I can love it for all that it is, mm -hmm. for all the good and for the things that I don't feel comfortable with. I can still love it. Yeah. And that's not to say, you know, stop listening to music or stop reading parenting blogs. It's like no, you can have as much better. intake as you want, but read it, decide if that's aligned with you and how you want to like do your thing and then make the best decision going forward and feel confident in your decisions instead of like just comparing yourself comparing. and feeling yeah. awful about everything all the time. I know. It's like, it's so hard to like, I put out a video of me singing earlier today on, mm. on the internet, <laughs> on the web. Can you believe it? On the World Wide web. <laughs> and I don't know if you do this, but when I put one out, you probably are much healthier than I am in this way. I listen to it over and over and over Ooh. and over and over and over again. I listen for every little flaw and like think, oh my God, is someone thinking that? Oh yeah. No, if I, I torture myself, if I'm putting it out there, I'm 
I'll listen to it once and I put it out there and then I don't watch it ever again or else I will I will wow. keep score on myself. And yeah, I just I don't think I have a good enough impulse control for that. Mm. How how do you have that? <laughs> I think if I did if if that's how I reacted to putting things out, I would never put things out ever again. Oh. And I I was that way for a period of time and I just I needed to be like, well, it's either retreat into like a hermit shell of fear or just like do stuff more (laughs) i think so yeah and i think the more you do stuff the less you do of that and also you don't have as much time because you're working more (laughs) yeah i definitely feel that way i mean i can really only speak to music because that's like everything that i do but i'm finding that working on a release and thinking of it as like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm going to do this record. It's huge. It has, everything has to be totally perfect. Yeah. Made it scary and huge. And it felt like this huge mountain, but being like, I don't know, I'm going to finish this one song and put it out and finish this other song and put it out and then do a couple projects for that other person and do this and do this. I felt I'm not so proprietary about one thing anymore. So I, I still want it to be really good and I still, you know, pull all nighters and work on it, but it doesn't feel like this one thing that I'm doing is my entire identity of my entire life. Yeah. And that takes the, it like makes the mountain a lot smaller. I'm like, so I it's think, still a mountain, but like way not small. Yeah. Or not, not as scary. I think that's a mistake I made with, I mean, how was I not going to make it like that? Because it was my first single ever. But with my single, like I was like, everything comes down to this. Yeah. Because the it world's going to change. Four, yeah. four and a half years in the making. And I put all this money into it and all this time and redid the songs like 15 times. So it felt like so intense. Yeah. And everything was wrapped up in that. And like, there's still time. Obviously, it's been a couple months now. But since it hasn't like had this big explosion, I was like, what does this mean? Yeah. When really it's like, it's such a beautiful thing to just put anything out. And I think that I like the way you're doing this because it kind of demystifies the whole concept of like putting something out. Yeah. But I also think there's something to be said about like you went, you just went for it. And like being, being open to just putting everything into something I think is super beautiful. Yeah. And scary and fantastic and a huge commitment. But I, that's why it's so such a fantastic product. Yeah. It sounds great. It looks great. It touches people. Like it's made a big difference. It was cool. I, I talked about this on my Instagram stories, but I heard someone playing it the other day I when I was driving. That. I mean, I would have burst into tears. My dad was driving with me because he was visiting for my birthday and he couldn't hear because <laughs> his hearing's going. I go, I hear my voice. And dad's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I hear my voice. I was on Sepulveda in Sherman Oaks. And I stuck my head out the window and it wasn't the girl next to me because she looked at me and she was like, oh, that, what are you doing? You look yeah. crazy. You look like an ostrich. But it was somewhere in the vicinity of like the four cars around That's me. That's crazy. Yeah. I would have been like, everyone stop. Who is it? Crank it. Let's have a dance party. Like we're having a party I know, in the street. I, I and then I would have cried. I considered getting out of the car because I was in the passenger seat, but I'm like, this is dangerous. And also I don't know where it's coming from. I just heard my voice. That's nuts. And so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. See, there's like people you don't know that have heard this and have been touched by it. I know. And like bumping. It I love on their thinking way about that. I love thinking about all the people who listen to the podcast who I don't know, who are like my friends, and I don't even know yeah. it. Yeah. Because I feel like you're back. Yeah. And they know that. And I have even theirs. You don't, yeah, that's what I want to say. Even though you like have never met, and mm-hmm. maybe have never, they've you never like reached out to each other. You both know you have each other's backs, but yeah. like very separately. So the moral of the story is: if something's taking you an extra long amount of time. Don't 
beat yourself up along the way. Find a way to enjoy the journey because maybe it's not taking a long time. What's time anyway? It's all made up. Yeah. This is all fake. (laughs) The whole world is fake, you know? Like, we just agreed upon these things. Like, the only thing we know for sure is that we're all, like, we don't even know for here quantum physics. It's so fucking crazy. It's just a simulation, right? (laughs) No, I think there's something to be said about finding a balance of, like, Yes, I don't have a deadline on this project, which is allowing me to explore and screw up and learn. And, oh, I was trying to do that thing in this computer program and I did it wrong. But also it scrambled things in a way that's really cool. Like I'm making mistakes Mm -hmm. and it's okay to make mistakes. Mistakes can actually be magic. Yeah, it's led me into some really cool places. So there's something to be said about giving yourself time and giving yourself forgiveness and like an allowance. Forgiveness. But then also. (laughs) Even if. Even if. That song's so good. We should do a cover of that. Deal. But also. I think there needs to be a balance of being like, all right, at some point I'm just going to put it out. Like Mm -hmm. you can't wait. You can't be too precious about it. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself time. Don't be too precious about it. So this leads me to the next thing. And that is the concept of putting yourself in the right place for what you want to do creatively, even once. And then the opportunities that can lead to. So give the example of this in your life in the past year. You said this has been a theme for you. Oh yeah. So you, contacted me about this podcast and we're like I need some music and this is kind of the vibe I'm going for or this is the use you know this is where I want did you say at that time you were like kind of looking to do things in that realm yeah I wanted to do things that didn't involve lyrics and didn't involve vocals I was like what if I just like that's always been something I've really I I lean really hard on oh it's singing and it's songwriting I'm like well what if I just work on learning how to be a producer for a while and so I was like great let's let's find somewhere in the universe where people need music that does doesn't need lyrics and voice and then you were like hey also I'm starting a podcast and I need some nonverbal music and I was like ding ding okay cool this will be a fun project so yeah I gave myself a challenge to write like as many of these instrumental things as I could for a couple months and it like they didn't need to be anything there, there wasn't a purpose for them mm. how did it free you doing that because there was no purpose. It was just like, do it. It didn't have to be right for someone and no one was going to review it and tell me if it worked or not. Or like, I don't know, I was just making beep beep boops on the computer and learning how to be better at this computer program. And that ended up being, that's what I, that's how it feels. And that's, it feels fun and light and like a fun thing. Yeah. And it kicks my brain into creative mode. Um, yeah. And so then you put one of the songs in your podcast and then it's so good it once I heard that song I understood what the podcast was about isn't that funny I feel like the vibe's right yeah it's so right and you didn't you didn't know that that was going to be the one I chose because you gave me like 10 songs yeah but when I heard that one I was like oh now I get the show yeah it feels I think it feels thoughtful but also fun and light yeah exploratory Mm -hmm. but yeah from that I've done a like a bunch of music for podcasts now in the last year and that's been super fun I'm, I love that so and all it took was just like first of all you stated what you wanted mm-hmm. before I even came to you then once I came to you all this stuff started flooding in and it's not like that happens that easily every single time no but it definitely doesn't happen if you don't state what you want and if you don't make the first move yeah and I'd done all the work up until that point mm-hmm. like you know i been studying music for years and I've been working my butt off and I learned this program and I learned did that. Like I I had the skills or I was working on the skills to back Mm -hmm. it up so that when someone said, Hey, you want to do this? I could just say yes and feel like I could definitely fulfill that or was close to being able to fulfill that. And then it was that sink or swim thing, which is where I really thrive in that sink or swim 
environment. So yeah, definitely like doing the work so that you can just say yes to things when they pop up or knowing that if you say yes to something, you can like just work it out and do it. Right. I think too, I mean, we we're talking about this last night because we want to start doing more house concerts yeah. and you're like the best way to get house concerts is to do one. Yeah. Just do one and get some footage. And you know, it's like, we think that we need to have this like tall resume of all these things yeah. in order to get the opportunities we want. But sometimes we just need to put ourselves in the way of it, mm -hmm. even if it's like kind of faking it until you make it. Yeah. Or it, just saying yes to things. Like, yeah. Thinking, saying yes or creating your own opportunity. Yeah. Like in my head, I think like, well, I would need to like, you know, it needs to be a nice house and lots of people and professional lighting. And like, no, it doesn't. Like yeah. I should have friends over in my living room and have <clears throat> have someone with the new iPhone stand in the back and take a video of one song, you know? Yeah. And then that's how it leads to a second house concert and a third. And then maybe you're doing, you know, next year you're doing a national tour of all house concerts. Also, if you want to have me and Liz in your home perform... Yes. Send in a direct message. House concerts are creative. So, so this is like fun. a real thing, and, and maybe some people listening don't know this. I I went into it without explaining, but like people will have you in their home mm -hmm. to do a concert. Yeah, they invite people locals, yeah. and it can be ten people or it can be. I played some with ten people. I played some with eighty people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, sometimes it's in someone's living room, sometimes it's in their backyard, and it's sometimes it's a potluck, or some of them like you know just ordered five pizzas, or you know it's it's any level of formality, and you just it's so most of the time you don't even bring mics or speakers or anything. It's so personal, and you get to like tell the stories behind how you're writing the songs or what it meant or your joke or you test out new material. It's like such a relaxed environment, and it's my favorite way to play a show. It's kind of like how most of us started playing music or performing was like yeah. in our parents was backyards. your mom forcing you to play for people at the dinner table <laughs> dinner uh, party? I was constantly forced to like sing and act as a child oh gosh my mom would always do that I She's got like, a little why don't you sing? about it when I was like in sixth grade after I did guys and dolls I was like <laughs> I am not a machine mother <laughs> but I still sang because I loved it <laughs> oh I did not I was not a fan my mom would like put on I, I like made a little cd when I was in summer after eighth grade and That's I, when you made your first album, right? Yeah, and I it was awful. I mean, I'm proud of it because I did it, but it was like awful. Of course, it's like the you first thing you three years I, old. I was, I was, you know, I was five in eighth grade, and she would Very just advanced. like put it on in the background of the house whenever people came over, and I was mortified. But also looking back, I'm like, how wonderful that I had such supportive, so parents. wonderful. But at the time, I was like, I'm, I'm, mom, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna sleep in the yard. So for you, you've had this this specific dream of being a songwriter, singer-songwriter in your heart since you were young, young, young. Yeah. I don't – it was just something that made me feel good and made me feel like I had a purpose and that I was good at something. Right. I, I, and just I just thought maybe I'll be lucky enough to keep going with that, you know? But you weren't like, I'm going to be a professional musician or nothing else. No, I don't. I never had that like, really? I want to be Britney Spears, like need to be famous, need to be artist. Like, I think it was just something I had like a, a, fanta a fantastic family and a fantastic childhood, but I was, I was pretty bummed out in high school. I was just kind of a depressed person, like therapy, a lot, lot going on in high school. And I just didn't have any like creative outlet and I had like this I would like you know I took a class at the local community college in painting or like I kind of kind of played guitar like whatever and I always felt better when I had some creative outlet but I like 
just didn't feel very happy as a human. And then once I was like, let's go full into it. Let's just do music. And I switched high schools and I got into a show choir, which was like a whole world that I didn't know existed. And this other music thing and this music thing and started like writing. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, this is how I can like process being a human. This is how I feel value. This is how like my own brain makes sense to me. And so I've just kind of never stopped since then. But I don't think there was like a, I mean, I think my mom would tell the story differently because she'd be like, when you were four, you did this thing and we knew, you know, you off yeah. to the races. But for me, it was more of like, a, oh, okay, I feel okay being myself when I'm doing these things. Well, it sounds like a much more wholesome version of it. Like you didn't have grandiose ideas or kind of ideas of like, I will be famous and then everything will be fine. All you knew is you felt good when you did yeah. music and therefore you wanted to keep yeah. feeling good. So you kept doing it. How can I keep doing this? How can I keep doing this at a higher level? It's very evolved can for I, a young girl. You know, how can I become self-sufficient? That was a big thing too, is I didn't like the feeling of like, um, and to each his own, I'm not judging anyone's path, but the thought of like, oh, I can do this one thing or you know, I can, I love singing, but I, if I want to play a show, I have to book a guitar player and maybe a drummer. And I don't know how to record anything. I don't know how to write anything, which is super fun. If you're a crush, if you're a crush and singer and that's what you want to do, hats off to you. But For I think me, you should try to write. Yeah. I, I, when I hear singers say, oh, I don't write, it always really bums me out because I didn't write till I was 22, 23. Yeah. And I could have been writing since I was like five. Yeah. Or even like write. <laughs> Just right, try. Right to do it. And just doesn't try. Mean that you you it doesn't, don't have to like put those songs out yeah. if you don't want but, to. But at least try because you don't know. Like just because you've never written a song doesn't mean you're not a songwriter. Yeah. Or, you know, learn five chords on an instrument as a way to communicate with your band better mm -hmm. about what you want them to sound like when they are backing you up. Right. Like there's no shame in any of that. But the for me, the kind of the goal was to become as self-sufficient as possible. And mm -hmm. I think that's been another part of it. It was like, how can I keep doing this? And how can I streamline things? Yeah. You've had this dream in your heart since you were a little girl. What kind of baggage do you think that brings with it? Does it bring baggage? I don't know. I nothing. Because you, you, like when you're young and you create a dream or an idea in your head, you have the childhood ideals mm -hmm. in it. Oh, yeah. And so it's harder because it's not like, for me, I think I did well with music very quickly because I didn't have as much baggage attached to it as I had acting. Like oh, my yeah. whole identity was wrapped up in acting. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't handle it when things didn't go right. You seem healthier, <laughs> but like for me, music has been a lot easier even when things have been stagnant or not going as well as I wanted them to, because it wasn't ever a piece of me when I was younger. Oh, interesting. And therefore I don't have those childhood ideals and attachments that are unhealthy. I guess if I like switched careers right now and tried to be an actor, I'd probably have an existential crisis. <laughs> also, I'm terrible at acting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the baggage is like the baggage that everyone – like I was a weird kid in high school. That's not a new story. Like everyone yeah. listening probably but was so, a weird kid in high school. So oh, nothing like that. I meant more so like did you have baggage attached to it in the fact that you're like so tied up in – like is your identity tied up in being a musician or do you feel yeah, separate Yeah, no, that? no, definitely. And I, I think about that sometimes of like, man, what if I was in a freak accident with a lawnmower and my hands got chopped off? Like I don't have a – backup career. I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time. I'm like, if that happened to me, would I want, well, with my hands, I'd be fine. But like, if I couldn't sing anymore, I always think like, would I want to live? Well, yeah. I think about like, what if I totally lost my voice? Like, how do you, like, I'm sure that there are 
songwriters who are nonverbal, you know, like, mm-hmm. or there's other way. I don't know. I think about that sometimes. So I don't, I don't know what that would feel like. I didn't feel a lot of baggage from like childhood gr- ideas of grandeur. I think I had such a happy childhood. And then in high school, I was for a couple of years was, was very depressed. And I think during that period, I just thought like, what if I can do this and be relatively, like relatively healthy and happy? Like I'm not even reaching for the stars. I'm not trying to like be over the moon happy. What if I could do this and like be kind of a happy person? And the fact that I am, I'm 30 and I'm doing music and I, I, do you think I'm pretty close to over the moon happy? Like I feel like a very happy and lucky individual is like mind blowing to me that like, Oh, okay. I think, so I think my dreams were yes, do music and be creative. But I think the dream was like, be, be a happy person who like feels okay going through life mm. most days. Wow, so healthy. Well, <laughs> not always, but sometimes. So what would be your advice for somebody who's in the middle of one of those depressions that you were in, in high school? Like, how did you eventually get out of it? Was it just going toward music brought you out? It was having a, having some kind of creative outlet. And it was like, sometimes that was like shaving my head. Like I caught, chopped off all my hair. I dyed it. It's been every color except green. I had gauges. Like I, then I you like gauges. Yeah, How did your ears heal? They went back. Thank God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm shocked that you don't have gaping holes nope, in your ear nope. right now. P- pretty normal ears for those listening. You have teeny ears. No, well, yeah. The they look pretty normal. Yeah. So having a creative outlet made a huge, huge difference. And I think not lowering expectations, but constantly changing and refining expectations has been a nice thing. Like when I first moved out, I was like, what if I could get a job playing music? And then I did. And that was so great. And then after a couple of years, I was like, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of effed up about this job. Like what if we kind of change our expectations to be something that's not as effed up? Like what if we, you know, like let's refine and improve our expectations and then like move in that direction. So I think it's been a moving target, but in a good way. Wow. I love that because you, I mean, again, I guess it goes back to like the way you viewed it as a child, but you went from thinking like, wow, how cool would it be if I could get a job playing music to, okay, let's get a better job playing yeah. music to, instead of being like, I'm going to have a hit album, yeah, which which is great. It's great. It's but not, it, wasn't my it's bad. It's so interesting. You're the second person I've spoken to in, in this week. The other person is like an incredible entrepreneur who like started this huge company, but you're the second person I've spoken to in the past week who has been practical in a way that is optimistic. Yeah. I always thought people who are practical were pessimists. Oh. I always did. That's up until Tuesday. Whoa. <laughs> I was No, thought, I feel Yeah, no. And generally it, optimistic. No, exactly. But it's so interesting because I thought people who were practical were pessimists because they didn't believe that they could do something big and great. Oh. But what I realize now is people who are practical are actually optimists because they want to do something great, but they want to take the proper steps to yeah. get there. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be like realist versus dreamer, which I think gives a a negative connotation to both of those parties, Mm -hmm. right? I think, yeah, it can be, I really appreciate the step that I'm on now Mm -hmm. while I'm also like preparing for the next step or not, yeah, not in a way that I'm always trying to jump ship, but just in a, this is so great. I love, I appreciate where I'm at. What's, what's next? How can we fix that thing? Or how can we learn that new thing? Or, you know, it can be as simple as, it can be simple things or very huge grand life things too. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is like kind of a thing where people always think like, oh, if I could only make my living doing what I want, then I'd be happy, you know? And I think that that obviously does bring a lot of happiness. Mm -hmm. But even once you get to that place, like there's still ways that you want to up level. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Because I know you love doing these dueling piano gigs and doing these cover gigs, but you also really love writing and doing your artist stuff. Yeah. How do you maintain that and like stay grateful, but also keep shooting for the stars? I'm still working on it. It's a work in progress, but I think making space for both is important. I, there was a period in my life where I just played dueling piano bars like four or five nights a week. And then I didn't have any energy or time or voice left to write. And I was miserable. And then for a while I just wrote, and was writing stuff and doing other odd jobs and I was miserable and I missed the fun, the fun of it. And so now I have this balance where I'm home and I write like Monday through Thursday and I'm able to like live my life and pick up all these random last minute things, writing things. And then on the weekends I bounce and I'm, I play at a dueling piano bar and it's fun and I am like super social and I'm controlling this crowd of people and it's so fun and everyone's have everyone came up to have a good time. And then I go home on Sunday and I like can settle back into my little cave and just be there. So I think creating the space for both was a huge important thing for me. And it's, but it's, I think the thing that made the most difference for me was when I started to accept, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel satisfied. That doesn't mean I have to feel uncomfortable all the time. Like Mm. just knowing that, that it's going to be a moving target and that that's totally okay and maybe even a good thing instead of like, I'm going to work here until I retire and then that's my target. It's like that kind of bums me out when people think of like that. Yeah. So like still wanting to improve and change and your goal can change, your target can move, you can tweak things and keep making things better. But that doesn't mean you have to hate where you're at. It doesn't mean you have to be like uncomfortable all the time or not like what you're doing. It's just, for me, it's okay to have a movable target and move your target around. <laughs> how do you, how do you do that? How do you, how do you like find the gratitude in those moments when you're like, oh, but I want that thing. I don't know. I just try and remember, like, I, I know at, at the end of this podcast a lot, you ask like what you would say to little Liz or what little Liz would say to you. And I, I think about that like daily. And I, when I get bummed out, I like to think about that. And how stoked little Liz would be that like, I don't know, you're a happy human being, first of all. Great. Check. Fantastic. Great work. But then you're a happy human being who is healthy and has friends who are supportive and you, you know, family is around if that's, you know, not everyone has that. I feel grateful to have that. And I'm doing music. So that's kind of like how I keep 
the doubt in check mm-hmm. is thinking of little Liz and how stoked she would be. Yeah. So I had a listener write in today and she asked if we had any shows that specifically speak about like getting out of funk, either creatively or mood wise. Mm-hmm. I think quite a few, but like, I'm wondering for you, what do you do to get out of a creative funk? Ooh. Um, yeah. Going on drives, windows down, blasting some music that makes you feel good or music that you can like just sing real loud to. That makes me feel cool and kind of gets the gets the gears going. Watching documentaries makes me feel very inspired. Mm. Any you recommend in particular? My favorite one is it's called uh, 180 South. Okay. Like 180 and then degree, like the degree sign South. But I think if you just Google it, you'll find it. And it is so cool. So it's this the guys who started North Face in Patagonia mm. like decades ago were like, hey, there's this mountain in Patagonia that no one's ever climbed. Let's go climb it. So they bought a VW bus and them and their friends drove from Ventura, California, all the way through Central America, Mexico, Central America, all the way down to Patagonia and like climb this mountain, right? They filmed the whole thing on these old cameras. 40 years later, this guy finds all the footage and he's like, I'm going to remake their trip. And his trip goes totally differently, whatever, whatever. And no spoilers. And the music is fantastic and the sentiment is fantastic and the visuals are fantastic and it just makes me want to explore and it reminds me how big the world is and how anything is possible and you should just like do the thing that you're thinking about doing. So documentaries are a big thing for me. Listening to music I love is a big thing for me. Cooking is a very meditative thing yes. for me. I just made an unbelievable amount of gnocchi this week. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a peaceful thing for me because I have to stop working. Yeah. I have to use both of my hands and I put on a silly TV show. I put on Grey's Anatomy and I make pasta, you know. What and, a, what about like a mood funk? How do you ooh, approach I that? I hang out with my dog. I call a friend. I call you and then – I just articulate verbally like, hey, I'm not having a good day or I'm not having a good week. Or I'm not having a good month or however long it is and maybe burst into tears and just feel it and tell myself it's okay to like feel it. That's underrated because I feel like a lot of times when we're in a funk, it's because we're not letting ourselves feel what Ugh. we feel or we're not admitting to something that's making us very upset that we – no might be making us upset, but we're not fully seeing. Yeah. It's like boiling down. I mean, all the times when I've been depressed in my life, it's because I've 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 talked about it a lot, but like I've been repressing lives inside of me. Yeah. And so once I admit how disappointed I am at the fact that I'm not able to be myself in that situation, it's been the turning point for me of when I've been able to like get out of a bad yeah. moment. And sometimes I don't notice that until a couple days later. I'm like, oh, why, I like I've been feeling this way since Monday. Why it's did great. it take me this Sometimes long? it takes people years. Yeah. You know? So I think really looking at if you are feeling depressed and you are in a funk, looking at what's going on in your life and what are you possibly repressing that you either can't see or that you can't admit to. Yeah. Because once you admit to it and you stay with that pain, you're going to be able to figure out a solution. And that's the first step in getting out of the funk. Yeah. And for me, that's part of the block is like, there's this whole thing that I need to feel that I'm not letting myself feel. So Mm -hmm. if it's taking a walk around the block or taking a drive or closing your bedroom door and watching a sad movie and just like, like just friggin' sometimes you just got to cry. And I do that a lot. And it's like, I call it my pressure release valve. And sometimes I got to release some pressure. So like the I, pressure cooker? Instant pot? We yeah, love it. No, but pot. for real though. So I take, you know, I can spend all day stewing on this thing and feel my shoulders tensing up and 
have this huge block and I'm a miserable person. Or I go in my room and I cry for five or ten minutes and then like, oh, it's better. It's fine. I can like I feel way better. I can go tackle that thing. So for me, it's like giving myself the space to feel those things mm. has been a big difference. Just to add one more thing, like yeah. just telling yourself that it's okay, it's okay to be stuck. It's okay to be scared. It's like I feel scared and I feel you know, fearful a lot. And it's like, I can be fearful, fearful. I can be fearful and stagnant and paralyzed and then also feel guilty about being stagnant and paralyzed. Like there's so many more things that spiral out of that. Or I can be maybe still feel fearful and like just do stuff. Cause why not? Like what's your relationship with fear? I think it's a daily battle and some days are like a very small battle like flicking over a pine cone and some days are like a Lord of the Rings style, like, you know, huge battle. And I think that's kind of how it's always going to be. And once I started accepting that, yeah, maybe that's how it's always going to be. It wasn't, it didn't seem as dark. I'm like, yeah, that's part of life. It's a scary thing. Do stuff, just go do stuff and doing the act of just making things and writing things and creating things and meeting a friend for coffee and going on a hike or whatever your thing is helps make the fear a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't found a way to like make it disappear com- completely, but I've, it's like not a dark looming cloud following me around my whole life. That's great. Yeah. And it's just like part of the color spectrum. What's your advice to people who are crippled by it, who are letting fear sit in the driver's seat of their life and make their decisions? Like how can they stop doing that? When I get really fearful about stuff or just when things feel really heavy, the thought that I always go to is like, I call it grandma Liz. And you know, I don't know if I'm going to be a grandma one day, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. We're still figuring it out. But I think of grandma Liz, like 85-year-old Liz. She's got purple hair. She's yeah, she she's does. spunky. She wears ridiculous glasses even though she doesn't need them or maybe she does at that point. But I think of grandma Liz and the stories that she would like want to tell her friends when they're playing bridge. And I want grandma Liz to have like awesome stories and just crazy awesome stories. So yeah, I think about little Liz a lot. And I think about grandma, I think about like 90 year old hilarious Liz and making them both proud. <laughs> yeah. And I want her to be able to be like, remember that time that I said yes to, you know, gigs in the middle East. And they're like, yeah, I did. Like I did that something I did last year. Like I, that's why I say yes to a lot of things is because I think about grandma Liz. So she helps me. Can I curse? Fuck yeah. She helps me not give a fuck. When there's sometimes when you can't you like gotta give less fucks and she helps me give less fucks. I love her. Okay, you just talked about the power of saying yes. What you've already talked about like how that's led you to so many things. So like one of the first jobs you had out here was at a dueling piano bar. Yes. Yes. My first job was actually dressing up like Disney characters for kids' birthday parties. But then my first like actual job was at this piano bar. Your first job was at the piano bar. You didn't know how to do it. But like, and then you said yes, and it's led to this huge career. Yeah. Like you didn't know how to play piano. Yeah. It was scary at the time. And then, you know, years and years and years of training and learning and doing this and doing that. That's like what pays the bills, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what allows me to say yes to all the other composing gigs And it's just a constant, like, say yes to something, even if it's scary, and, like, figure it out along the way. But also then in your downtime doing the work so that you feel comfortable saying yes to those things. So how do you know what to say no to now? I'm trying to get better about valuing my time. Like, someone hit me up for a gig today that you helped me (laughs) say no to. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning to value my time better of, like, does this gig or does this commitment 
involve, you know, 12 hours of rehearsal and five hours in a car, then I think about that in terms of, well, this is now a two-day commitment instead of a two-hour commitment. And just kind of valuing, saying no to gigs, that it's, it's so hard to say no to paying gigs as a musician, but maybe saying no to gigs like once a month so that I have more time at home to work on the writing projects. Right. So it's, it's kind of a constant, I'm just constantly shifting and trying to feel, feel out what balance works for me. But again, just allowing myself time to say yes to things and I think like once you're as deep into your career as you are too, it's like we have to learn that just because at one time we needed to say yes to everything. Everything. Doesn't mean we still do. No. Yeah. And so really knowing, I mean, know yourself. For me, if I was in Liz's position because she's doing so many more music gigs than I am right now, like I would be saying yes to all of those because I need to build my repertoire. But you don't need that right now. Yeah. And also, there's certain gigs that you got to say no to because it, like, devalues Kills the industry. Your soul. Kills yeah. your soul. Yeah, it makes you, like, I was doing a gig for a long time that made me hate music. And that was That's dark. completely that was unacceptable. super dark, yeah. So how did you get out of that? Well, I, I mean, quit. I know you left. <laughs> I, I was, like, but, very but depressed. But that could be a lasting impression. Yeah. Because I had a, a, a experience. Actually, my show choir experience was a, incredibly toxic in oh, high no. school. Yeah, so I quit my senior year, but that made me hate singing. <sighs> So, and it took a while to recover. Like I had to relearn how to make music on my own terms. So I like went to church choir and I started doing show choir or uh, musical theater workshops. And I did like a community theater. You to reclaim it a little. Yeah, bit. exactly. But how did you reclaim it after you left that place that made it toxic for you? It definitely took a while. I like had to stop doing those gigs at all for months and months and months almost maybe almost a year and then started like picking up a sub gig I was working on a chain and then I started like subbing in at a mom and pop doing piano place and a mom and pop place here in this city different cities and realizing like whoa not all of them are awful awful you know not you know like I'm grateful for that job and it taught me a lot and they trained me that and I met fantastic human beings I'm always grateful for that it was super toxic and an awful place to work for a lot of other reasons but once I started doing it for other people, other bars, other institutions, I realized like, no, not all of this is awful. I, I am good at this. I can get way better at this in a way that I didn't even know how much room there was to grow. And that really reclaimed it. But it took, I mean, it took five years of doing it before I felt good about it again, at mm-hmm. least. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I went back and subbed, subbed in as I a favor. I came to that show. For, as a favor at the original place. And... I like the next three days I didn't get out of bed. Like I, I, I was like weird PTSD. I, I immediately years had passed and I immediately felt like it was the day that I quit. Like it was bad. So, it, I mean, it was a weird thing and it takes a long time to reframe something like that. And people don't talk about that enough. Like there's so many toxic work environments in this industry. Well, any industry that basically people are in love with what they're doing, yeah. especially because people can take advantage of you that much more. Yeah. When you love it, it's so easy to slip under your skin. Well, yeah. I always think about that like, okay, if you have like an office job and you're the thing that you do to decompress when you come home is play guitar and sing, that's fantastic. What happens when you take your stress relief and your like life joy thing and you make that into your living and your means of paying rent, it not only can it be really wonderful, but it can be really stressful and you risk like losing your love, rusting out 
the thing that makes you feel human again and the thing that is your pressure release valve. So there's a big risk in that. So yeah, it's tricky. You got to find that balance and not burn out on the thing that makes you connect to yourself and feel human because that's a real dangerous place to be. Yeah. And if that's happening to you, I just want to give you advice as because that's the choir thing was the first time, but that's happened to me multiple times. And if it's happening to you right now, wherever you are, whether you're in a desk job or you're doing what you love and someone's taking advantage of that, you need to get out because that person, it's like you can make all kinds of excuses for the toxic workplace, but it's never going to get better because chances are whoever is making it toxic for you or the multiple people who are, are gaslighters and they're never going to listen to you. They're not going to come around. They're not going to come around. No. That's not something that an abusive person does. No. So anyway, to take things on a happier yeah, note. You can do it. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you're you're empowered and you can get out of it and you will get out of it. And your own happiness and your love for whatever you do is so much more important. Yeah. You're like, you'll find a way to make money. I that's promise not you. What you be, that's not where you want to be. No. Because <laughs> it will get to a point where you will, even if it's what you love to do, you would literally rather sweep a floor. Well, that's where it got to with yeah. me. It was like, I'm... I'm out, I moved to Los Angeles and someone's paying me to do music and I was so depressed and miserable and like drinking too much. It got really dark and like a very, not to get too personal, but let's get personal. It was not a good place and I was not healthy mentally and it was at that point it was like, I will, I will pick up trash. Like I I have to get to a point where I feel healthy and then maybe after I've been picking up trash all day, shout out to garbage men. Mad respect. I've heard garbage men make a lot of money, by they the way. They should. <laughs> but like if – and then he has a stressful day at work. He can go home and play music and enjoy that again. Let's do it. Like right. if, that, if you get to that point, like you got to make changes. Right. And I've talked to a couple people on the podcast who did have to take a break from their creativity. Like they had to take a full – actually, Kristen Eggie, I don't know if you listened to that one. She now runs Music 411. Oh, yeah. But she took a full year off of music because she had to find a way to love it again. Ugh. And she just like took classes and – she was young when she did that. She was only 18. But I think that there is a point to that. Like maybe you need a hiatus from your creative passion sometimes if you've been through somewhat of a toxic situation. Yeah. And also the one that last week that I was listening to, the, he was talking about if you are doing something creative and something that you love, like taking a day, actually taking a day off because it's not like, well, I leave work at the office. We don't leave work at the office. So like I don't Sundays are a wash for me and I used to feel guilty like wow there's so many things I should be checking off my to-do list now I just like I love it Sundays are a wash I'm not doing anything on a Sunday it's the day of the Lord yeah well whatever day if it's Tuesday for you or whatever your day is that you just like you gotta give yourself a break I think that's also very important yeah no you do have to take off one day a week at least yeah so I want to get to something a little happy, and that is – well, it's very happy. It's the one-year anniversary of Unleash Your Inner Creative. It. I could cry. It's one. It's so exciting. It's a little baby. Honestly, this is the most consistent I've ever been in my whole life. That's so cool. That's yeah. a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it is. Because no one – I mean, obviously, like, my listeners were relying on me, but no one was making me do this. Like, it's the first time I've ever done something that was completely for me – for this length of time, this many times. Wow. Like you're running it all. Yeah. I ran it all. I did literally every single piece of it. I've had lots of help along the way. I had you, my friend Juliet helped me get it off the ground. I've had a couple interns here and there that kind of scampered away, but (laughs) (laughs) I've had, you know, friends and family who have shared it. I, I mean, you know, Jen Gotch shared the first episode, which 
got so many people listening to it that otherwise wouldn't have. Apple Podcast was incredibly supportive and put it on a bunch of new and noteworthy lists. So it definitely had a lot of support and yeah. and you know becoming something. There's a village there. There's definitely a village, but but you did it. But I did it. I did it and it, it felt so good and my recommendation would be to you or to anyone like do something for a year or more. Just do it. And do it weekly because the amount of self-esteem it gives you to know that you are capable of something like that when you've at least for me I've never been a structured person. I've mm-hmm. never been a person that can really stay on guidelines unless I have someone else guilting me into it. And so the fact that I did something just because I wanted to do it gave me a lot of self-esteem and self-worth. Yeah. I think you talk about that in one of your episodes from the fall is like just the, the confidence and the strength that you got from knowing that like you did, you continuously did this. And yeah. You were always doing it. You was like really on it. Yeah. It's been wonderful. And just the community that it's built, like honestly, the people that listen to this show and that are on the Instagram page are just the most amazing people. Like I admire them so much. I, I definitely want to read one message that one of the listeners sent me. Her name's Alyssa, but her her little screen name is Lissy. Hi, Lissy. She's actually at Lissy. That's amazing. L-I or L-Y? L-Y-S-S-Y. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to read this. It might make me cry. Girl, your show gave me the motivation to take the leap. I quit my desk job, started working as a makeup artist, one of my dream jobs. I started seriously painting, and I finally created an Instagram to put my art out into this world. And I'm currently building up to do custom and commission paintings. Thank you so much for doing what you do and helping spark up my creativity again. She's so sweet. I know I'm one of hundreds, and I'm sure you hear this a lot, but you've truly helped and inspired me to get on the path I always wanted to be on. Happy first birthday. I'm so inspired by her. I mean, you should print that out and put it. Yeah. I mean, that's why I did this because, you know, like I've talked about like all the times in my life when I've been depressed, it's been because I wasn't being, I wasn't acknowledging who I was. And that was because I was repressing my creativity and like trying to be smaller. And I wanted to do this show because if it could help even one person not do that and live a life that was more free and unleashed and just unbridled joy, then I wanted to do that. And I really believe that repressed creativity causes so much of the world's suffering. Mm-hmm. And so to know that it's helped people do what I wanted it to do is like, it's like, I feel like I'm living my purpose. Yeah. So whatever that equivalent is for you listening, I want you to do it. Yeah. And then send Lauren a message <laughs> about send, it. Yeah, so she can put it on her wall. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the impact of this has been immense in ways that you don't know and in ways that you will never know, but it has been But that's fantastic. what I love about creativity. It's like, we talked about that on the Jim Quick episode. I know you're a few minutes into it, but, but he talks about how he taught himself to read through Stanley's comic books. All these years later, Jim was Stanley's coach. He was one of his clients. So it's like, if you ever have a doubt about the fact that your voice or your creativity are important, just think of that. Like that's a complete circle. Yeah. And you can never know the ripple effects of something you do. And that's so beautiful. Yeah. For me, it's like there was, there were times in my life that I felt sad or alone or whatever, whatever the emotion was that music or a documentary or whatever, whatever it was, made me feel like, 
oh, I'm not the only one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who's felt this way. And so there are times when I feel like, who am I to think that I have something to say that's worth hearing? That I like to think like, just put it out there because maybe, yes, maybe no, but maybe there's some, you know, chick in Indiana who's 13 and who's like bummed out. That will mean something to her. There definitely is. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important. It's so important. It can actually save someone's life. Yeah. And like making music, I'm not saying like my music is going to save people's lives, but but it could maybe the person who made the the song that made me feel happy when I was 13 didn't feel worthy either, they but they still did. put it out there. We're all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And it still meant something to me, like yeah. it meant a lot to me. So th- th- at this point it's just like if there's something that you want to do, just freaking do it. Mm-hmm. And you're worthy of it. Just like, just by being alive and walking the earth, you deserve to do what you, you have in your heart. And even if it's only for you. Yeah. Well, like exactly what you were saying though, Liz, it's like, we don't have to have these like grandiose ideas. Like it could just be that you do this thing that makes you feel good. And that when you go toward it, you feel like yourself. And just by being yourself, you make the world a better place. Yeah. You're going to be, like, you know, practically, you're going to be a nicer human. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're going to maybe and not you might cut someone, off. someone else to be themselves who's feeling depressed yeah. or small or repressed. Yeah. You know? Or just kinder to the person in the line at, at the grocery store. Like even, the, even something that small. The matters. ripple effects of your creative endeavors are endless, positive ripple effects. Unless you're putting out really negative work. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Or do that. If that feels genuine to you, I guess there's no judgment. But yeah, this podcast has been such a community and such like a grand central station for motivation. And just... I just don't... I don't feel like I'm expressing myself the way like properly right now. I just... I guess I don't really have words for it. Like it has like... It's gotten me through everything this past year. Like my breakup. I couldn't have put out the music without it. I um I don't I feel like it just gave me so much self-esteem like just knowing that I believed in myself enough to do this like after wanting it for so long and not going after it and being accountable to yourself. Yeah. Doing it every week. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a way to s- discover your own strength. Yeah. It really has been. And even when I'm super tired and like editing. <laughs> this woman works harder than anyone I've ever met in my life. Uh-huh. I'm trying to have more fun. <laughs> you, you're a fun lady. I hope so. Sometimes. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm really expressing myself properly right now. But all no, that's if to you say, want to do like a tie it all up in a bow recap later, yeah, you can really think yeah, about yeah. how you want to tie it up in a bow. I but. just want to say to whoever, to you listening, thank you for listening. You have made my dreams come true. And whatever I can do to be there for you and support you and help you make yours come to light, I'm here for. My dream is to help you achieve. Well, first of all, to know you're worthy of your dreams and to achieve your dreams. So thank you. And Liz, thank you for being so supportive of me, for listening to the show, for making the music, and just for being my friend and my creative ally. I love you with all my heart. I love you too. Let's make some more music. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening and to my amazing guest, Liz Full, who's also our incredible show composer. Check out Liz Full at Liz Full, LizFull.com, and go listen to her music. It's up everywhere under both Liz Full, and that's F-O-H-L, and she also has a pseudonym, Liz Hope, with some fun pop songs she's written. So check that out. And again, thank you for listening, not only to this episode, but for the past year. Now that I've composed myself a little, it's weirdly not easier to put my feelings into words. I can't really sum up what this show has meant to me and what you mean to me. It's been one of the greatest honors of my life. It has been such a privilege to learn from these amazing people, both that I have on and that I get to interact with you. I read every single message, every single thing matters. Everyone who's left a rating and review and helped the show grow, told a friend about a show, taken a screenshot, everything you've done has mattered so much to me and I will always remember it. And hey, we made it through the first year, one year down. How about a hundred more to go? I just, I love this podcast with all my heart and I'm so grateful for it and for you. So do all the things I usually say to do. Follow the show, follow me, take a screenshot, rate, review, subscribe. And most importantly, take this week to fully, as much as you can, unleash your inner creative. And if you could, share your thoughts about the show with me, what it's meant to you, what you think we can improve upon, how we can make it serve you more, and just what you love about it. It's a really good reminder for me to keep going and that it is making a difference. I believe in you, and I will talk to you next week.